Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness. With your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome back, everyone, to the Illuminate Podcast. It's good to finally be back here after a nice long break. I took a month off just to finish up 2020, spend some time with my family, just recalibrate, reconnect, just get some uh, re-energizing going here so I can power up for a new year with a bunch of great interviews and lots of cool plans. And so it's just good to be back with all of you once again. I hope all of you are doing well. Yeah, we're all pretty tired. 2020 was rough. 2021, it's still rough. We're in the middle of a bunch of stuff right now. But in our homes, with our marriages, our families, our kids, our relationships, these are the things we can do something about right away. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here working on yourself, working on your relationships. I definitely want to be part of the solution for you and support you as you move forward. So good job making time for this. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope it'll be something that benefits you. I'm confident it will be worth your while. Okay, before I jump into today's interview, I'd like to remind you that I'm on social media. So jump on over there and follow my pages. I've got Instagram and Facebook that I'm most active on, and I'll put links to that in the show notes, but I'd love to see you over there. I'm pretty engaged, pretty interactive, share a lot of stuff, lots of educational things, lots of support. So go check it out. And you can always go to my website as well, jeffstewart.com. I've got lots of resources there. So this podcast is not the only thing I do. I also write a column, produce courses, and have all kinds of great stuff that hopefully can support you as you move forward. Okay, should we jump into today's interview? I'm excited to introduce you all to Erica Wilcox. Erica is a therapist out in Connecticut who specializes in the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and also complex post-traumatic stress disorder. She is a specialist who works with a lot of anxiety with survivors of intimate partner violence and does a lot of work that is surrounding trauma. So she's got a great bio. You should go check it out on the website. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Ton of experience and just super creative. That's one of the things I love about Erica is that she thinks outside the box and you really have to when you work with trauma because it can be so resistant in some cases and learning how to use the body learning how to get creative and really help work around these blocks and integrate healing. Erica's a master at that. She does a lot of work with mindfulness-based stress reduction, traumatic bereavement, eating disorders, dissociative disorders, women's trauma recovery, cognitive behavioral therapy, just so many resources and tools in her toolbox. Okay, what we're going to talk about today with Erica is EMDR. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. A lot of you probably have. But this stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a type of therapy that is used to treat trauma. The military uses it. It's world famous. It's been around a long time, 30 plus years, and it's got a ton of research behind it. It's legit and it's very helpful. I've personally gone and done my own EMDR work with a therapist and I loved it. And there's a lot of therapists out there, thousands of them who are trained in this model. And Erica is a supervisor and trains other therapists how to do EMDR. And today I wanted to invite her on the show because EMDR is just such an effective and helpful tool for treating trauma. I thought it'd be great to talk about it today, to really not only understand the benefits of EMDR, but more specifically bilateral stimulation and just other elements of EMDR that make it so effective. So this is a great episode if you are 
wondering if EMDR might be helpful for you. If you've tried therapy to deal with trauma or other kinds of things in your life and it wasn't getting you anywhere, this is very different than just talk therapy. And so this is a great episode to help expand your understanding of how the body and brain works and other resources you can access to hopefully give you some movement and help in treating your trauma, depression, anxiety. And it's also great in helping just relieve all kinds of suffering. Okay, so I'm going to jump into my interview with Erica Wilcox. Well, welcome to the Illuminate podcast, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you about EMDR. I, I'm a big fan of EMDR, even though I'm not trained in it. It's one of those things I've needed to you know, make time to go do, but I've been a client with EMDR. I've done my own EMDR work, so I'm familiar with it. And I refer a lot of my clients to practitioners who do it. And so I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm really excited to dive into it because I think a lot of people that I've talked to, clients that I've worked with, and I know people in our audience here, maybe haven't even heard of it before and don't even know what it's about. Mm -hmm. So I just love to, I just am looking forward to diving in and trying to demystify this and normalize it and educate people on what this is as a resource because when you're dealing with addiction and trauma, you know, you're needing something that can often go way deeper than just talk therapy. So yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. Do you want to just dive right in? Eric can kind of in a nutshell, tell us kind of what EMDR stands for, what it is, so we can get people on the same page here. Yeah, absolutely. It's so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And then you have to go, whoo, because it sounds, even the title sounds a little intimidating yeah. to people. Right. And so in breaking it down, what EMDR does. So it's a type of therapy that goes beyond traditional talk therapy. A lot of traditional talk therapy, we're working on gaining coping skills to deal with distress, addiction, whatever's coming up, right? Human suffering. And that helps reduce that pain, manage it, cope with it, But a lot of the times, and for some people, it doesn't really get to the root cause of it. And so EMDR offers this kind of bottom-up approach to help people suffer less. And a metaphor that I like to use a lot of the time is, so it was started, was formed by Francine Shapiro in the 80s, has a growing, growing body of wonderful research on it. Uh, When it first came out, a lot of people were very skeptical, I believe. Mm -hmm. And now that we have all this research, it's really expanded. It's founded upon this notion that our brains and our bodies have a natural healing mechanism. So, and if somebody gets a physical injury, for example, all depends how serious it is, we're going to expect that that's going to take some time to heal. But eventually, in some way, shape, or form, we hope that that's going to heal. And the brain is part of the body. So it has its only mechanism with assistance, right? The brain's going to do the same thing. So if you fall down and skin your knee, for example, ouch, sorry, that happened to you. And there's debris, there's gravel, there's dirt in that wound. We need to clean it up. We need to bandage it up. And then your body's going to start to work to heal that. You don't have to think intentionally, okay, send my blood vessels here and start to, right. you know, work on itself and, and heal. We don't have to think about it. It happens. 
But what happens is that if we don't fully get those pieces of dirt, the gravel, the debris out, it's not going to be able to fully heal. And this is what happens when adverse experiences happen to people that may be inside their awareness or outside of their awareness, which we can touch upon. And that's like removing, that's like the pieces of dirt. So what EMDR does is works to remove the debris that's blocking people's capacity to fully heal. That's one part of it. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. 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 And so when you talk about bottom up, you're essentially saying that like we're working with the body's natural drive to heal and we're sort of unleashing that and getting the things out of the way that instead of trying to just like, when you say top down, you're basically saying through the cognition, through thinking, through thoughts, through talking, a lot of the times we're just walking around the debris and all that other stuff and we never really get it out of the way. Right. It's almost as if, if you think of a weed, if we're like trimming off the top of it, that's great because it's less there. But until we get down to the roots, understand what systems are connected to other roots and clear that out, it's going to keep coming back. Yeah. And you know, that the eye movement part, right? So that's what's this eye movement, you know, portion of it involves a form of what we call bilateral stimulation, which is not as scary as it sounds. Because when I first heard that, I thought like, are we talking about probes in the brain? (laughs) Right? No, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. Bilateral stimulation in EMDR can be someone following a light or now virtual a dot or somebody's fingers from left to right. It can be in the form of left to right tapping. There's lots of different forms. And what that does, it simulates the same type of eye movements in REM sleep, which is a natural process we already do. If we don't get REM sleep, we don't survive. And so REM sleep becomes, is like the digestive system for the brain. We keeps what nourishes us and discards the rest. Oh, I love that. If we eat, right? If we eat some gum, I don't know if that's true, if gum stays in your system for years, but let's just pretend it is. When I was a kid, it was seven years, Erica. It was seven years. That's what I was told. That's what I heard too. So we'll go with that. (laughs) Go with that. You know, if you eat a piece of gum or, or, you know, a hard object, you know, a foreign object, that's going to block that system from digesting properly. And so adverse experiences, trauma becomes those blocks. So when we activate that REM type eye movement in when we're awake, obviously during session, that can help that freeze that block. So people become it very, very quickly start to feel a lot less stress about things, start to come a more adaptive resolution to things. And the best part is, is you don't have to go into super detail about anything you don't want to. Right. It's not a requirement. Right. And I that's the one thing that I love about it because the tendency, I think, just human nature, our reflex is, well, just talk it out, right? Catharsis, just just talk right. through every detail. And what it, that essentially does is re-traumatizes the person to basically relive it without mm-hmm. any sort of support or healing or anything that will actually resolve it. It just mostly just, they re-experience it without actual healing, right? Right. And that's one of, exactly. And that's one of the parts of EMDR is that there's it's based upon eight phases. So it's a structured but flexible type of treatment. So it's not so rigid because 
human beings are complex. We have many layers. We have lots of parts of ourselves. And so it's not cookie cutter, but there's, it's a structured eight phase model, but there's flexibility in it. And in those beginning phases, it's all of the prep work that's needed in order to get to the root causes of things and to do that work. So it's safe, that it's comfortable, that it's not re-traumatizing. Sometimes, unfortunately, I'll see clients that come to me and I'll introduce EMDR because I use it with almost every client I work with. And they'll say, oh, no, I've done that before. And that's not for me. I had a really bad experience. Mm. And I'll ask a few more. And well, usually what I'll learn is that it was somebody who was not following the proper protocol or was not be, had holding fidelity to the model and didn't do it right. <laughs> so yeah. we have to do some damage control oh, man. with that. Yeah. So that's, but it, it's safe. It's contained. It's not, you're, if you're doing it right, it's not re-traumatizing and there's prep work prior. So we're not going to go deep diving in the deep end. We're going to get really familiar with the shallow end and your floaties and make sure you can do cool kick turns before flip turns before we can go there. Yeah. And you're always in control. The client's always in control. Right. So the process is really in a lot of ways opposite of, of what the trauma was like, which was no control, no consent generally, overpowering their senses generally like right disorientation. There's just so many things about trauma that you know, just really aren't part of regular life. It's it's an overwhelming experience. And so I love this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trauma treatment, if you're going, for my listeners, if you're working with somebody who just wants to get in there and rip it out and just work through it, that's actually right. mimicking the exact same experience you probably had when you were traumatized, whether it was a natural disaster, car accident, interpersonal violence, personal like relationship betrayal, anything like that. Like all those things are are completely done without your input. And and so the treatment has right. to be client-led, like you said. It has to be completely consensual, slow, and respectful, and careful. And I love that, Erica. I love the, all the setup. The fact that like there's this runway that helps people kind of get up to speed before they can go in and do the deeper work. That's so respectful. And so, you know, it also is just ethical, right? <laughs> we don't want to just hurt people. Right, right, <laughs> right. And sometimes, you know, there's, an, there's a huge, obviously, informed consent part of it. Sometimes I really have to (laughs) check myself because I'll be hearing someone, you know, with such courage and bravery talk about what's bringing them into therapy. I start to share like, hey, this is the type of therapy that I do. And this is why I think it could be helpful. And sometimes when they're sharing that, I'm holding space, but there's this part of me back here that's like, oh my God, this is going to be good. It's They have no idea how good it's going to get once we start working on this, the freedom that's going to pop up for them. So I have to make sure I'm not too eager yeah, to yeah. be like, woohoo, you know, but <laughs> because. <laughs> right, because you know how good it can be for yeah. them. You know, the relief and the freedom that they'll feel that you've got this, you've got this gift that you're going to help them get to and they don't know it yet. So yeah, of course, you've got to slow yeah. down and <laughs> be right. patient at the, yeah. at the pace it's collaborative totally it's you know there's always choice and there's always voice at any time even throughout the process we're checking in with each other if they want to change the pace of something or switch it or you know we have we've already worked on that set of 
rules and roles together about how we're going to work through this journey. So there's, I'm kind of like the trauma recovery Sherpa. They're leading, they're doing the, the work with it. And I'm helping make sure that it's guided in the appropriate, safe and effective way. So they have the best outcome possible. I love it. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I want to go back to something that you said, and it just kind of flowed out of you there. And I think it's important to go back and bracket it, which is if your trauma treatment does not involve choice or your voice, right? It's not going to help you. Run. <laughs> yeah, right? that's not that's not a trauma-informed yeah. care at all. And right? really, any I believe right. any therapy, if you feel like you're going and seeking healing for anything and you don't feel like you have a voice in the process or a choice, that's not collaborative and it's, it's not going to be helpful. And so, yeah, I love that. Sometimes it's helpful to have things that rhyme that are really succinct like that. <laughs> to help us get really centered on what we're doing here. So thank you for that. I think that's fantastic. So um, EMDR, you know, we talk about the bilateral stimulation. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Because I know when I went and did EMDR therapy, my therapist, she had these vibrating tappers that we would put in our hands, right? But they were broken that day. Yeah, They were broken and she never got them fixed. And so what she did is she pulled her chair close to me and she tapped on my legs. And she, of course, yeah. was like, can I tap your legs? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Or she'd have me hold up my hands and she would do like really gentle back and forth. And it was very soothing. I was very surprised when I did it, how mm -hmm. soothing it was to have that rhythm going. Can you talk, and you talked about the REM and kind of how our body does it, but what is working with that? Because whether it's our eyes moving back and forth, whether it's the tapping, whether it's the sound or the vibration or things like that, what is going on with that back and forth? Yeah, that's, there's a lot, the neurobiology behind it, there's, so many different ways that people are interpreting it. So there's not, in other words, there is not yet one like, this is exactly how we know it works. There's lots of different things at play. Mm -hmm. And some of those are that the right hemisphere of our brain is more likely to hold negative patterns, associations, emotions connected to people, places, and things. And the left hemisphere is our, of our brain is more likely to hold the more positive ones. And so when something distressing happens, and it can be a range. So we say trauma, even like a post-it note of that, the way I define and other people, not just me, can define it as any event or events that's overwhelmed your ability to cope. So we have the big stuff that's obvious, but then there's other things too, like that day in sixth grade where nobody would sit with you, you know, and where did you go? Right. And so, yeah. And so we have the left and the right hemisphere of the brain and the bilateral stimulation helps connect the two so that we're going from disturbing images, emotions, sensations in the body's belief about self. And it helps process over to something a lot more true, a lot more positive, realistic. Mm. So for example, I'm not safe for a situation where they felt I'm not safe or the past feels present can then with the BLS bilateral simulation and the, the protocol start to shift to I'm safe now. I survived a lot of variety of things. So that's one way yeah. we think it works is that it simulates like REM sleep. Another way is that it taxes the working memory. So when when our brain becomes overwhelmed 
the front part of our brain goes offline. It's like, well, I don't know if you shop at DSW, but it's your favorite website. I would say the DSW website for me, but it's your favorite website on Cyber Monday. It's overloaded with information and it's too taxed and it shuts down, right? Yep. And so the front part of our brain like goes offline, offline too much. And so there's something about the bilateral stimulation that helps bring the front part of the brain online. And so we're attending to that, orienting to the therapist as well in the relationship while the back part of the brain is letting go of any distressing material. Those are some ways it can work. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I That's and I know really that cool. I know that bilateral stimulation, am I allowed to call it BLS since I'm not an EMDR therapist? Is that okay? Of course. They call it <laughs> Yes, we call it DAS, dual attention stimuli. It's like so many different. <laughs> I just don't want to be a poser, Erica. So I'm just trying to be careful, you know, with the jargon here. So, <laughs> so with bilateral stimulation, it's really the, the bedrock of EMDR, right? That's a big part of it. That, that's going on as part, that's a big part of the healing mechanism, right? Is that, that part yeah. of it. That's like when that starts and you're reprocessing trauma, you're working through stuff, that's active in the background, right? So people know that. Right. Yeah. And so how it typically looks, if we're working on, we identify a particular memory, for example, to work on Mm -hmm. that is connected, a past memory that's connected in some way, shape or form to the person's present pain, the will bring up the emotion in the moment, the body sensation, a negative thought about they're having about their selves connected to that. So we just activate that neural network that's stuck enough, not to overwhelm, but just enough to wake it up a little bit. And then we start doing the work with the BLS and it desensitizes it. It brings it down from something that can be really disturbing to neutral. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's In a fantastic. short amount of time. Right. Which and it's good. Right, exactly. This isn't something that you're going to have to sign on and do for you know years. It's designed to be a short-term intervention, and it's effective in just a few sessions. Like people feel a difference. Yeah, so it can range depending on EMDR looks different depending on, of course, the person and what they're coming with. So, yeah. an individual with complex PTSD, for example, is not going to be an EMDR for just six sessions. It's going to be probably months or years. We don't, it depends on the person, how much stabilization they need for that. But typically, and the research shows that it's much more efficient, effective, and quicker treatment timeline wise than other forms of therapy. So somebody, for example, with a single, we call a single event trauma, like a car accident within it, I'm trying to think of the study now, which is it's on emdria.org, but it's like 75 to 90%, I believe, of the participants in the study of a, of a single event trauma, I believe it was up to just six sessions, and they no longer met the criteria for PTSD. That's fantastic. And that's, and that's one of my favorite parts. There's a lot of favorite parts of my work. But in the beginning, if I'm working with someone with PTSD, and EMDR helps with a lot more than PTSD. But if we assess for it, and they meet the criteria, and then when we're towards the end of our work together, we'll do it again. And to see that, to just share that space for them to see, wow, 
this is where I was just a few sessions or a few weeks or a few months ago. And look where I am now is so, so cool. It's the gold standard for PTSD. It will cure it. You don't have to live with it the rest of your life. And that's just it. You know, a lot of people feel like, well, this is just going to be a life (laughs) sentence now that I've been through this awful thing. And it's like, no way. It is treatable, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't be doing this work if that weren't true. I not and yeah. I'm not in the business of teaching people how to tolerate suffering. Like yeah. let's you can tolerate pain and discomfort, like that's to be human, but not suffering. Yeah. You don't need to suffer. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Right. And just because, you know, maybe you did it didn't work with somebody else, like you're like you're saying there there are protocols and maybe it wasn't administered correctly or maybe you didn't find the right right, the right practitioner or the right setting, or maybe, and maybe even timing, right? I know sometimes people aren't ready in life circumstances, or they're still in a trauma, whatever, but just stay with it because there are, there are solutions for this. It's not something that has to be a life sentence. I love that. People need to know that. Right. Yes. That's, if, if that's like my one message to the, yeah. the world yeah. as a therapist, it's like, it doesn't have to be a life sentence at all. People sometimes come to me, they've been dealing with things for decades, yeah. decades. And to see that lift and release and transition, it's really cool. And um, and sometimes they're even surprised too. It's If you've ever run on like a treadmill or gone really fast on a bike and then you get off and you're like, oh, I'm so used to doing this motion. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a, okay, happening anymore. Like, I don't then, have to, yeah. then you just keep walking. My internal (laughs) system doesn't have to be like spinning all the time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Right. And so it sounds like Mm -hmm. too, I I know that I see this a lot. I do a lot of emotionally focused couples therapy. That's a lot of what I work with. Couples that have come in with injuries and stuck issues that for decades and we can resolve, we can work through them and there's no expiration date on it because they're living it in the present. So it's the same with trauma, right? Like it doesn't matter if it happened in 1960, you know? it's still active in your body and and you're going to treat it in the present. Right. Yeah. And this happens, you know, any unresolved trauma, distress, you know, wounding is, if not attended to, is going to show up in our relationships. It's going to show up in our most important relationships, right? Yes. So that's, you know, getting to being able to attend to those younger parts that experienced that hurt and pain from the past. So it's not, so the past isn't becoming present. So like, I kind of joke with my husband sometimes like, Oh, I'm sorry. That was my 17 year old self coming out (laughs) during that argument. Adult me is back on mine now. Right. But sometimes like people's inner children or teenagers are duking it out, you know? So that's, (laughs) I know. Yeah, exactly. We're, uh, we're definitely filled with layers, aren't we? And, uh, experiences and, yeah. And so, and some surprise us and, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I guess we've got to do some work there. What else? And tr- I see this a lot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Go ahead. I just, okay. yeah. What else? I'd love to hear what else with the MDR for you is, uh, would be helpful for the audience in terms of understanding how it works, demystifying it. Right. That's, and so a lot, a lot of the words that people, I can share some of the words, how people describe it, their experience of it. And a little bit of, well, how do you get to the root issues? Because some people, sometimes people come in, they're like, I experienced this trauma, I experienced this thing, and I'm having problems with it now. And this is what I want to work on. And like, they're very clear on it. Sometimes it's, 
I keep fighting with my partner and I keep shutting down in conversations or I keep, you know, my boss, I'm having issues with my boss and it's not so obvious. And so some of the things that people use to describe it is that once we work on a memory, we work on what EMDR land, we call it a target, that it feels, that memory feels like it's underwater. People have said that it's, there's no emotional charge left to it. And so they may start with, for example, somebody I had worked with in the past who experienced a car accident in the moment was feeling like I'm going to die. Mm. I feel like I'm going to die all the time. Car accident was over. Yeah. Over. Right. And so, and then after EMGR ended with really, really solidly, my will to live is greater than my fear of dying. And I'm here now and just confidence. No, wasn't being pulled back in the past from it. So it can also help with relational trauma, betrayal trauma, where somebody is carrying around a belief that I'm not good enough, I can't trust other people, I can't trust myself, or I'm alone. Uh, that's a big one. And so with EMDR, we start to work with desensitize and process those core beliefs and the memories connected to them to translate it and update it to instead of I'm alone, I am loved, and I'm able to spend time with myself, or I'm connected. Instead of I'm not good enough, I'm worthy of love. That's my birthright. I don't have to earn that. It's my birthright. I say that a lot in session to people. <laughs> yeah. You know, instead of I'm not, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm okay as I am. I'm okay as I am. And have that really, really be firm and just on a visceral level of how how they're feeling with that so we create a new neural connection in the brain so and once emdr won't take away anything you need but it will soften and discard everything that's not supposed to be there because it was misfiled oh i love that it, yeah it won't take away anything you need so if there's a fear that people have that's going to change me i'm not going to be the same person you just say no it's actually gonna yeah it's going to sort things out and help actually optimize your whole system. Yep. Yeah, I love yeah. that. A lot of people who describe themselves as like type A personalities, for example, like high achieving, really driven, really organized type people that sometimes they'll be reluctant. And usually in there, there's some perfectionism and they'll be afraid, well, is this going to take away my drive to be successful? Is this going to take away this part of my personality that has a lot of grit and stamina? No, you need that. But it will sure as heck soften the rest that's causing you suffering. So you can get some breathing room. Yeah, absolutely. And and you'll probably do everything you're going to do with more clarity and, and more focus. And, and yep. you might even be kinder. <laughs> right. 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 Because right. when that suffering is yeah. going on, it can be hard to be patient and to be make space for yes. yourself and other people. So this is, you know, you're not fighting yeah. something all the time. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's, yep. that's so powerful. Yeah. I love to hear these. I love to hear your examples of what it looks like pre and post and, and what it's capable of doing. And 
you know, giving people hope that the things that they maybe thought they just have to live with, you know? Right. You know, that, because I think we can get really dismissive. I, I just think that a lot of the times it's kind of like, well, suck it up, or it could be in a baby, or, you know, you don't have to fix everything, or sometimes you just deal with stuff. Like these things we do to dismiss it and really bypass, you know, that that's just not necessary. We don't right. have to live like that. Yeah. And it's, it's in a thing that's important for people to know is you don't have to wait until you are just at the end of your rope right. to seek help. EMDR right. is not, EMDR will help people absolutely who are in a tremendous amount of pain. And it will also help people that are looking to understand their personality relationships and patterns more. It does not have to be like wildfire and it's only for that. There's a continuum. There's a spectrum. It works great for athletes, for performance enhancement, for business people, for artists. It's, there's a, it can help with that too. Yeah. I love so. that. Yeah. I love that. Cause like you said, if it's, if it's the digestive system, right? The REM, the eye movement, the bilateral is really sort of helping us kind of move things through. I mean, my goodness, how much stuff do we collect on a daily basis? Unhelpful right. thoughts and negative experiences and uh, self-defeating beliefs. And I mean, the, the list goes on and on. We just collect so much, mm -hmm. you know, debris that we have to, we have to clean it out. And yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I know that bilateral stimulation, just as a standalone, without any treatment, any therapist guided treatment is really beneficial. I mean, I, I remember you posted something on Instagram a few days ago, where you just talked about all the different ways that you get bilateral stimulation in your life through I think you you framed it from a triathlon perspective and you said, you know, I get to the pedaling obviously is, you know, bipedaling, swimming and the running, the back and forth movement and how there's just something very therapeutic about having that left and right movement in right. our lives on the time. Can you say more about that? Sure. Yeah, that's we see it in nature too or with animals if you think about, you know, cats, mm -hmm. how they kind of need their paws left and right. And so that it can be soothing in that way, any repetitive motion in that way. If you don't swim, bike, or run, that's totally cool too. Walking, you think about when we dance, if we go, if you just start going like this, like I feel even happier just doing this, right? Or you, how you sway a baby. So any left, right in that way can help support the nervous system. Yeah. A, important part of it is, is that nobody can or should try to do EMDR on themselves because sometimes people will Google and there's some not great stuff out there of like self EMDR because there's some risk with certain populations who are high that have really, really high levels of dissociation. BLS can be detrimental if not done in the correct way. So I'm not saying don't go for a walk. That's, I'm not saying that part, but any self-administered type of that yeah, or trying to do that, that's my caution statement because there's much more with that entails EMDR, but the natural forms of BLS, absolutely. Drumming, for example, I asked for a drum for Christmas. I hope Stancer brings it and, you know, even piano playing. So yeah, I love that. Brings, yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, your caution statement is, is important to not assume that because we're talking about bilateral stimulation that you can now do a focused effort on yourself to heal your trauma. 
uh, directly through doing that. What we're talking about is just the natural Mm -hmm. rhythms that can just, like you said, I love the way you put it, that can support our nervous systems, which we all can benefit from. And so I mostly, yeah, just wanting to let the listeners know, you can just slow down and notice in your regular life the ways that left-right movement feels supportive to you. And then doing that in a focused, therapeutic, supportive way with professional help going toward a target and really working through something, that will be the foundation of it. And that's why right. it becomes so safe is because we already experience that. We already are familiar with it. Yep. I teach a lot of people and there's tons of resources to people, you know, demonstrating. Andrea.org is like the go-to resource for EMDR, but the butterfly hug, we call it. Yeah. And you can use it, you know, with littles and adults and So that's a form of BLS and can be really soothing. I always say if you start doing it and things start to turn up and it get worse, like stop, don't do that anymore. But that's a small risk in it. But all in all, it can be really stabilizing, containing, soothing, especially if you've got some good music going on with it as well. Yeah, you can actually Google bilateral music and put on headphones. I've done that before when I'm- I use it. Yeah, when I'm doing a writing project or when I really need to like go mm-hmm. through something stressful, like I'll put on the bilateral music, you hear the ocean and the movie, and it's like back and forth. And it's like my whole system just goes, Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's right. It's a natural process. Yeah. So EMDR is this, you know, hopefully in demystifying that part. It's we're just, we're act, it's the HD version of, you know, trauma recovery work. And that we're activating the natural healing mechanisms that are already within you. We're just bringing them out and guiding them along in, in the best way possible. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thank you for educating. I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners, people may have questions about, well, how would this apply in my situation? Or what are the exact steps? Or what does it involve? Are there resources or places people can go to learn more about it as they consider whether this is right for them in their treatment? Sure. Yeah, so so I mentioned, so emdria.org, that's the EMDR International Association, emdria.org, has a plethora of research. Some people are really interested in the research part of it. It explains the eight phases in a non-clinically jargon type of way, which is great. Yeah. And there's tons of resources there if... You can also, Getting Past Your Past is a book that I often recommend to clients by Shapiro, who that explains EMDR, but walks you through some of the steps kind of on your own too, if you're really wanting to take a deep dive and learn more about it. I think it's, that's part of the, you know, your your informed choice on things if you want to learn more about it, because there's so much to learn. Those are two really reputable resources when it comes to that. And does that website yeah. also have a therapist directory? Yes. So MDRIA has a therapist directory. There's different levels of training or certification. So it will have on there people who've completed the basic training, people that are certified, people that are in the process of becoming consultants, and then individuals like myself who are approved MDRIA consultants and so and then there's trainers on there as well so that's a great resource in connecticut we have a ct emdr therapist 
website. We're all listed by our specialties and okay. listed in that way. But Emdria is like the hub of a lot of where we are. And some of the therapist directories too, like Psychology Today or Therapy Den are two pretty well-known ones where people will be able to, you can search by a specifier of EMDR therapists and, you know, don't be afraid to ask how long have you been practicing? Right. You know, what type of clients have you have experience working with to see if it's a good match? Yeah. So a therapist who's trained in this would have it on their website, have it in their bio. You'd be able to, you know, it's an easy way to sort. And then, then you're saying there's some additional right. questions you definitely want to understand if you feel like, you know, I don't want somebody who's only completed like the basic level of it. I, I need somebody who really has experience in this or mostly does this kind of work. You get to obviously decide that. And it's important to ask those questions and, and uh, have the therapist, you know, just educate you on what they're, what they're doing with it. Because like you said, not everyone's created equal in terms of how they apply it, how they do it. Right. And there's a lot of amazing therapists that, you know, highly skilled therapists that are going, you know, that are in their basic training now and work great with clients. Cause we start working with clients almost immediately. If somebody's coming in that, you know, has a lot more complex problems to address that may be a better fit with somebody who has naturally more experience with that. But that was the great thing about there's an awesome wave of therapists going through now through their basic training and certification, the digital natives of the EMDR world, because we all went online in March. And so this wave of new therapists are really incredible being able to navigate through this and the creativity is amazing that's come out of it. So they're a great group. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. and I, I also am thinking back on my, I mean, I had been a therapist for 10 years when I went back and started to study with Sue Johnson and her team on emotionally focused therapy. And here I was, yeah. you know, by all accounts, a pretty seasoned clinician, but I was a beginner working with emotionally focused couples therapy but I was getting a lot of supervision. I was getting a lot of support. I was getting, yeah. so so any cases I had, had all my 10 years of, of clinical reflexes and experience, but I also was working with this new model and having a back, you know, a back end support from supervisors and colleagues. And so people can be yeah. in good hands. You just got to ask good questions and, and figure out if that therapist yeah. is the right fit for you and what support they have as well right. if they're new. Yeah. Do you work with the consultant? Do you right. get supervision? That. We all in the EMDR community were very, very pro saturated, heavy in a good way with consultation. We just we're we love to we love to provide consultation, seek it and get together and support one another. So there's a really, really good backbone of consultation and supervision and awesome. the EMDR realm. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. Thank you, Erica. Hopefully this has been educational for all of you listeners about EMDR and giving you another option for your own healing. And so I'll put links to the uh, websites that she mentioned in the, uh, the show notes so you can check that out. But thanks again, Erica. Sure appreciate your time. Thank you so much. If you want to connect with Erica on social media, you can find her at Erica Wilcox Therapy. And she's also at Wilcox Wellness Therapy as well, which is her group practice. And her website is wilcoxwellness.com. So go check that out. She's got a lot of great resources and she is working on a lot of projects to support anyone who's dealing with any kind of emotional, relational trauma, stress. She's a fantastic resource. So please go check her out. And I do want to thank 
Erica for joining me and I'm excited to bring her back for the next episode. She'll join us once again to talk about her pep talks, which are just some, uh, some great things we can start to do to tell ourselves and help support ourselves when we're feeling down or low. It's just awesome stuff. Thank you once again for supporting the Illuminate podcast. Please take a minute and go give us a rating. Leave us a review. This helps rank it higher in the search results so that people can find this life-changing information. This stuff is too good to not share with other people. So I hope you'll pass it along to someone else and use this as a resource for your loved ones and friends. Okay, well, I think that's good enough for this week. Thanks again for being here. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll see you back on the Illuminate Podcast.